Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Join the podcast mogul Phil Better as he interviews successful entrepreneurs that make their living in the digital world. Now, let's join your host, Phil Better, and his special guest today on Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. I am, of course, your host with the most, the podcast mogul himself, Phil Better. And today I am happy and excited to have another doctor on the show, Dr. Bradford Carlton from Mayflower Advising. Dr. Carlton, thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Phil. I truly appreciate it. Oh, um, so, Dr. Carlton, can I call you Bradford? You call me Brad, please. Brad, okay. I'm not that pretentious. <laughs> you know, I don't like to say it, but sometimes doctors really love to have the doctor said before their name. So that's, I always that's the it. thing. It's, it sounds important, right? So yeah. I have it, might as well throw it there, but yeah, just for just, branding purposes. Just a little, you know, just a little uh, 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 bragging rights there going through eight years of medical school or however many years. It was years actually law school, but yeah. Law school. Oh, Jesus. I took the easy route to get that doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was the easy route or not because it's still a long term uh, to get that. Um, but Brad. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I'm excited to hear about your story. I learned a bit about how you started in one area and now you're shifted over to a different area. So I'm interested about that. Um, so how about we start? Why did you start becoming an entrepreneur if you had a, le a law degree? So I started an entrepreneur. I guess you kind of need to know my backstory. I um, had wanted to be a politician. And so at age seven, it was the 92 election. I was in the polling booth with my mother and she's like, you know, whether you love them or hate them, it doesn't matter what side you are on. You have to have some respect for the people that are on this ballot because they're willing to put themselves out there. They're willing to like face the ridicule of people putting them down and saying awful things. You have to have that. And I'm like, wow, that sounds great. That's what I want to do. So I mapped out my plan. I was going to go to college. I was going to go to law school because, you know, politicians are attorneys. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I did all that and I got to law school, um, met my wife in law school and ended up working for a court and the court wanted me to be on the judge track. So I'm going to the political fundraisers and I was made court administrator at age 26. I was running a County court at age 26. And so then like I'm at these fundraisers and I'm talking to the people behind the scenes. I'm talking like the federal Congress people, the governors, the like the movers and, and shakers of the and world. They do not care in any respect about the average person. And I'm like, oh, is that what this is really about? So like, I guess I don't really want to be this. So I got out, um, went to a small law practice. It wasn't particularly small. It was actually one of the, the most prestigious elder law firms in the state of Ohio. And, um, I like just grinding because here I am, I'm a young attorney. What am I supposed to do? I've never been, I've never had to sell anything and clients are coming in every day and they're asking me for my advice. And I'm like, Oh gosh, right. <laughs> like, they don't teach you that in law school. They teach you to study and read. And here I am. And I'm having to tell people that, you know, they're going to die in a few months and it's going to be okay. But I think it was because I had a baby face, but these little ladies just, they could not help but buy from me. They couldn't help but sign that contract. And I'm like, cool. And the partners are like, that's really cool. He's doing great. And they actually promoted me to partner at age 27. It was a 28 year old law practice. I was the youngest named partner in the state of Ohio at the time. And I'm like, cool, I'm 27. And I now have to go around teaching attorneys 30 years older than me, a subject of law that they're like literally closer to than I am, right? Elder law. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, and at that point, I had a little bit of a big head. 
because you understandable know, board administrator from a partner in two years, <laughs> in two years I did this. And so my wife had graduated from law, law school at that point, And she wanted to start her own business. It was her dream to be a business owner. I'm like, I'll be right there with you. Let's, let's make it happen. Right? <laughs> I can do let's, this. Look at what I accomplished in two years. And like most small business owners, our first year was the worst experience of my life. <laughs> um, we, we did every marketing technique you could imagine that attorneys knew. So we're talking the yellow pages, we're talking networking events, we're talking the penny savers, you know, coupons. We're like, um, we did it all. We went glad hatting as much as we possibly could and it did not work. None of that stuff worked. And so the next year tax time came around. This was March of 2014, 15, I call. And I owed $10,000 in taxes because I had been a partner the year before and we had $500 to our name. And they're like, what are we going to do? Like, like, this is it. Like, I'm going to go to jail if I don't figure something out. Um, and I had a friend who I don't remember why I was talking to him, but he's like, I can tell you exactly how to get some clients, Brad. I'm like, please tell me. He's like, have you ever heard of the Facebook? <laughs> the Facebook. I love it. The Facebook. Facebook. Now, we had been chatting all through law school on Messenger. Like, like uh, so I don't know what he was thinking, but he's like, he legit just. Oh, that's amazing. I'm like, yes, I have. Go ahead and tell me. He's like, they've got these things called groups in them. Have you heard of groups? Like, just post your ad in there. People come to you. And this was, you know, years ago when you could do this strategy. And like, I'm willing to try anything. Sure. So I um, had Photoshop. I had no idea how to use Photoshop, but I made an ad in it and threw it up in a group. I think it was three hours after I posted this ad, we got our first phone call. We got five minutes later after hanging up that call, we got another call. Five minutes after that, we got another call. It just kept going. And it turned out we actually were some of the first attorneys to use digital marketing in the state. Next thing we know, we had one of the fastest growing practices in Northeast Ohio. We had three attorneys working for us, three staff members, and we were going around teaching other attorneys how to do digital marketing and acquiring clients about a year and a half after this. And like, we did it again. Right? I like, here I am again, like doing this thing. And I like kind of just stumbled into it. It was just absolutely fantastic until my wife nearly died in childbirth. And so, you know, it was a 24 hour labor, 20 of those hours, the alarm was blaring pretty much every minute on the minute crash team outside, just waiting to rush in. And, um, the doctors were all concerned for me because like, I'm about to lose my wife and daughter all in the same go. And I made a joke about being a doctor. <laughs> this is actually funny <laughs> that you brought that up. because like, they're like, doctor, 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 doctor. And I'm like, you know, I'm a doctor too. And they all turned and they're like, you're a doctor. Cause they've been treating me like not a doctor. And like, there's apparently different levels. of treatment. Oh yeah. There's a, <laughs> levels of respect apparently in the doctor world and non-doctor world. Yeah. So they, uh, they quickly found out I was JD. Ah, whatever. Who cares? Like, yeah, oh, wait, you're an attorney. Oh, you're that type of doctor. <laughs> well, it turned, it turned around when they realized I was an attorney at that point. Like, Oh yeah. Like make sure <laughs> some things, um, <laughs> make sure she lives. <laughs> yeah. But baby comes out, they put her on my wife's chest. And my wife looks up at me after like going, oh, my precious, she did the whole golem thing. Right. And looks up at me and goes, I'm not going back to work. And she was our trial attorney, like the <laughs> trial attorney for the firm. So like we had court the very next day and I had to slept for like 48 hours at this point. And I was the backup attorney to go to court for her. So like we were able to get that continued, able to figure it out, smooth that all over that particular case. But my wife straight up refused to go back to work. 
um, which was okay because she was bedridden for six months. And I, while caring for her and my daughter for those, those months, I had to like figure out what am I going to do? Cause I never really wanted to be an attorney. That wasn't the thing I wanted to do. Mm. Um, I was really just doing the law practice for her at that point. And so here I am, like I had been doing business law with her. So I'm like, you know what? Why not do business consulting? So I made some digital products because I'm at home taking care of them, right? And that was my first foray into digital mar uh, digital sales. Uh, I sold uh, two $500 products as my first product. So at least I sold something my first time go. through, Let's right? Go. I've had a few clients who don't do that. So like, <laughs> um, but after getting a few of these small time clients in Akron, Ohio, we're like, what, what it, we're, like we have more ambition than small clients. What are we going to mm -hmm. do? So my wife says, we need to go to a bigger city. You're killing yourself here, Brad. You're moving to Las Vegas. I'm like, okay, I'm moving to Las Vegas. When are you thinking? She's like, as soon as you possibly can. The child and I will stay here. We'll sell the house. You go. I'm like, okay, well, I need like a couple of days to get the bills in order and everything, but sounds good. So three days after she told me that I was going to move, I was in my car driving to Las Vegas uh, with what I was going to live with until she showed up again. Um, did my networking thing, you know, the thing I knew what to do as an attorney, right? Like mm -hmm. glad handing going around. And I ended up at a networking event where I met a guy. He didn't tell me his name. He didn't tell me what he did. He just says, I like you, Brad. I like your story. I got some guys you should meet. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Please don't murder me. Uh, in my head, I'm thinking <laughs> you're in Vegas, the history of Vegas. He, you don't know who this man is. This is the the dawn of some family that's going to introduce. That's you to exactly what I was thinking, right? Like this is a, a large, a rotund gentleman who just sat in the corner, and people like had to introduce you to him. I'm like, okay. Um, that but it turned out Don at all. <laughs> it turned out he was uh, one of three principals at an international business consulting firm. Oh. And they it just so happened that they liked to talk to younger guys in the same field. And they're like, Brad, yo, we love your story. We want to like teach you. Okay, sure, why not? Right. And so they they have me at one of their meetings and they're talking about all their clients and what they're gonna do for the clients. They divvy up the work and they're like, Brad, if you want to come back next work, see or next week, see how it's really done. We'd love to have you. Like, sure, what am I gonna lose? Right. Like I might mm -hmm. be able to catch something off of this. And so I come back the next week, and it was really strange because these guys, like white-haired, they've been, you know, combined like 130, 140 years of experience between just the three of them. They uh didn't do a single thing for any of these clients. Like one guy's like, my wife needed me to do some work in the garden. I just couldn't get into anything. The other guy's like, it was too hot here in town. I just went up to the mountain for the week. And I'm like, that's, is that how it's done? I'm like, okay. So they divvy up the work again. They talk about the clients and they're like, Brad, if you want to come back next week, we'd be happy to have you. Sure thing. So I come back week three and again, they didn't do anything like nothing. And at this point I'm like, this is not strange. This is an opportunity. So when they start divvying up the clients again, I'm like, I'll do that for you. Like, I'll take that. Like, I don't even know what that term you just said was, but I will go figure it out and I will do this for you guys. Two weeks later, they hired me to be a president of this entire firm. We had offices in four states. I think we had like eight staff members. Uh, and I'm a small town attorney. I, I knew business law and, you know, attorneys are like, oh, I know everything. Well, I knew nothing. 
I knew nothing. The first humble attorney ever in the history of attorneys. I'm not. I'm. I'm no longer on my licenses, so I can say whatever I want now. Oh, okay. Attorneys are bound by you know the courts of their state. They're not allowed to say anything negative about the practice of law. So I'm free. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> um, but I very quickly learned you know operations and international development and fundraising and all this stuff while I'm working with these clients. And like it's it's really funny because I was like studying the night before reading, and then the next day I'd go in and tell the client I really think you should based on what I had just read the week the night before, and. Um, it got me through. Like we did really well. Eventually the partners, the firm was doing so well, the partners decided that they were going to retire and leave Brad to do all the work without any assistance. And they were just going to skim off the top. And I'm like, I don't think that's a good deal for me. No, not at all. So um, I'm just going to go, if I'm going to do all the work myself, I might as well just go do it myself. I've already had my own business. And um, you know, the rest they say is kind of history. Not quite. I, uh, I have a little bit more. Um, <laughs> the history but, of that part of your yeah, life. Yeah, so I, I've uh, worked in you know twenty plus industries at this point. Uh, done, I've helped uh, entrepreneurs in forty three countries. Um, I've personally helped uh, refer over two and a half billion dollars of business funding needs to investors. Um, at one point, after having done that, okay, I was working. Uh, I was trying to close a video game streamer, and. The one question this guy had, because he's like, yeah, it's a fantastic background. Your, your story's great, yeah. Brad. How many followers do you have, though? Because that's what matters to me. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, no. In this space, the number of followers is what determines how important you really are. I, I didn't really ever focus on my own brand. And I'm like, you know what? That's actually a good point, though. Like, Because I'm telling people to do branding, and I didn't do it for myself. So I started a podcast. And I wanted to prove that I could do it with starting from absolutely nothing. Because if I'm going to be talking to video game streamers and other people who don't necessarily have the resources to build a business, let me show you how you can just by using myself as a case study. And so about a year and a half after starting that, doing three interviews a week, every week, and we talked about that before we jumped yeah. on, um, I uh, had grown to over 160,000 followers. And um, at that point, I'm like, I think I'm, I'm, I've proved myself. But one of my my guests on my show um, had done work in the boxing space. He was actually a consultant for some big name boxers, and he wanted to go into mental health. And so I was helping him build that business. Next thing I know, I was the first person to stay at Don King's training camp um, in the dorms that the, the boxers like uh, Mike Tyson used to stay at uh, back in January of this year when he was putting on a heavyweight title fight. So I was there. I got to hit the bags that they made, like custom made for Mike Tyson. Uh, Holy yeah. crap! That is that is a hell of an intro, right? Um, <laughs> and a, as and a reason why. Um, so to boil it down, you went to law school to become a politician. Found out that politicians aren't really people that we can trust. Which no, right? Surprise, right? <laughs> um, after the last eight years um then you went into a practice that you didn't want it you, you did because you wanted to help your wife because that's what yes. she wanted which is the one of the greatest things a husband can do uh for his wife is support or his partner or a partner can do then when she decides yeah no this is not for me anymore you go okay okay and then she forces you to leave town after <laughs> your six months or uh, at least a, a, a maximum a year after your child has been born and she's had this adventure, if you will, 
and then you end up working for a huge company being made president again in a short order of time and then you're like no i'm gonna do it myself and then you just go off and be another badass and build up a completely different industry what that's that's pretty much it yeah but i never are you that bored i never (laughs) never never saw it like that it's every day i just do what's in front of me and i do it the best i can because that's all that really matters like you know, that the future is a mystery. The past is history. The only thing you have today is the present, right? That's why yeah. it's a gift. I knew you were going to go with the get the present thing because the minute you started, I'm like, I remember that from Kung Fu, uh, Kung Fu, Kung Panda. Fu Panda. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, change it up a little, but it's still it's still truth. It still rings true. Um, so your why is you just are, is it like you like trying new things? I'm ambitious. Okay. I I. I I never wanted, you know, growing up, my, uh, I was told I was lazy the whole time because mm-hmm. I played video games. I heard that. Okay. Like, and so you're lazy because you're not working. You need to go do this. You need to go do that. You're lazy. You're lazy. But then I saw my parents every single night sit down as soon as they got home in their recliners after getting dinner, because they have dinner right there with them, right? Mm-hmm. Sit there and watch TV until they go to bed. And I'm like, I do not want that. That is not my life. I refuse to have that. And so every day... If I start to see like I'm like starting to watch something, like, ah, no, I can't do that. I like I got to get to work. I love that. I love how that, that self-discipline um, from seeing something that you didn't want because you were told that it wasn't good to making sure that now you don't do that. So you always reach the goals that you set. That's that's amazing mindset to have. Thank you. Um, Jesus. What tip? So apart from having that type of mindset, because that's a great mindset to have and a great tip for podcasters or business owners to have is like when you see you're not doing the thing that you want, force yourself to go back and do it. Um, what 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 do you want? Like, what is the next step? Because you're, you're apparently hitting like 17,000 niches or industries. Is there an industry that you're like, oh, I want to try my hand at this? Like it, with uh, your current company, Mayflower Advising, is there something you want to do next? Like, do you want to build a, 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 pro, a SaaS business? Like, is that the next thing for you? So um, from age seven, like my life goal is to save the world. I know it's like, no, trite, my, right? my, but... mine is to help as many people make uh, podcasters make money. So that is just a, a same goal. It's an amazing goal. So, um, you know, just look back then, you know, 92, we, we knew what issues were already popping up. You know, overpopulation was the thing they kept harping on back then. You know, global warming, they harped on back then. All these, all these issues, there's food scarcity in places of the world. And so uh, my goal is to um, honestly to raise enough hundreds of billions of dollars to build a, a space station that we can use to filter water from the oceans. It's going to take me a little time. I can't, I already have it mapped out. I know what I need to do. It's just a matter of raising the capital and you have to have certain things in place to do it. So it's going to take me about 20 years to make it happen. Well, if there's anybody listening to start it happening, I should say, well, okay. If there's anybody listening that likes Dr. Carlton Brad's uh, uh, idea of saving the world, building that space station that can filter uh, seawater. Uh, to help the population of the world uh, get in contact with them. But because uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that's a friggin' awesome idea. And it's something that I've actually, you know, 
not a space station, but like how we can use water to uh, the seawaters to help the world, and we can do what's my the uh, the you're I was about to say you're a scientist. You can help me here, even though you have a doctorate uh, in law. Um, desalinization, I think it is mm-hmm. the proper term. Okay, yep. good. Look at me knowing some science. Uh, but yeah, no, the desalination of seawater is like the fast one of the best ways to bring water into uh, to places where they have no water. Mm-hmm. It's just very energy intensive. Yeah. Um, so you want to save the world by helping like feed, populate with the water and make sure that everybody can be taken care of. Uh, what do you want to do for your like? That's an ambitious goal. It is. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a life goal, right? I may not achieve it. Um, for my business, uh, I have so every night I've, I made it a practice. I think it was Earl Nightingale mm-hmm. who said every day, write down 10 new ideas that you have in order to make more money for your business. And so I have a book in my, my bedroom uh, right before I go to sleep. I write down 10 new ideas for products or services that I could potentially make a, a business about. And I've got some real strange ones in there, but like, cause you, after a few days, you're like, start like recycling the same ideas. And it's, uh, but there's some good ones. And I, I probably do want to do a SAS next. Um, just because doing one-on-one consulting takes time. Of course. Um, if I could, if I could find consultants who were kind of on, like it's, I, I business is all about culture. If you don't have the right culture in your business, then you don't really have a business. You just have employees. And that's not what I'm talking about, right? So to find the right consultant to work with me has been one of my biggest challenges. Um, I'm, I don't try to be a hard ass when I'm working with people. I usually don't even swear. So hopefully that was okay. I said that. <laughs> as long as it's not the hard C word that the uh, Brits and the Aussies like to use. Understood. Any other, any other word is fine. So don't, no words there, sir. Um, and so personality types, this consulting lends to um, high levels of narcissism. And you asked me like, is there a tip that you have for business owners? Do not go into business with a narcissist. That's probably been my biggest challenge um, in my consulting is that I will start businesses with other people who are narcissists. And I end up having to do all of the work myself. And then I get blamed for the results not coming about. And, um, without dropping any names or past people I've worked with, uh, it's never a good experience that I always get screwed. Okay. So that, yeah, that is a, a great thing. Watch out who, well, watching out who you go into business is uh, always uh, a smart play because there's been enormous amount of uh, tales from successful entrepreneurs like yourself who have said uh, they made mistakes going into business with the wrong people. So mm-hmm. that's a great, great, great tip. Um, If no, because if the world changes, you already have a book of like a billion ideas of how to. <laughs> I'm not. I, I I'm very not worried about the you losing your business or anything because you seem to be able to adapt quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a very politician uh, <laughs> politician <laughs> trait. So at least you have that that ability to adapt to different uh, situations. Um, in your career, in your mm-hmm. whole life, because you told us the amazing story of how you got to where you are today, which is very, not a roller coaster, but a very winding different way most entrepreneurs go about doing it. Like, you're like, I want to be a politician. You find out politicians aren't the nicest people in the world. And then you go into business. 
as a lawyer is something that you didn't want to do. What has been your like your favorite moment? Has there been a moment that just like sticks out maybe, or you may have hundreds of moments. You you can choose one that you feel would be relevant uh, to the conversation. So um, probably my favorite client, um, he was like a multiple time client. He, um, he started off when I was an attorney, he was my client and then he became my employee. And then he moved to Colorado and ended up homeless. And so after being homeless for a little while, he decided to start a new business and we reconnected after a few years because apparently when you're homeless, you don't have a way of contacting people. So I'm, here. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how, but yes, go continue. <laughs> um, but he got in touch with me and I had done some things since he had met me and he learned about my journey. And he's like, that's really cool. Three weeks later, he calls me up and he's like, so I remember you telling me about your journey. Can you help me? raise some money for a business. I need like $15,000. Can you help me get $15,000? Cause like we have one machine to put graphics on skateboards and like, I'm selling them out of my truck. Like I need 15 grand to like get another machine so we can sell more. And I'm like, there's not a investor that I know that could possibly get you 15 grand. Like, it's just too small. No one wants to lend yeah. anything that like, you need to go to a bank if you want that. Um, however, if you want to put together a business plan, we might be able to get you a couple million. So I worked with him to make a business plan. Three weeks after that conversation, he had a $400,000 investment. That $400,000 investment allowed him to buy the machinery to make skateboard blanks themselves. And about six months to a year later, he had the largest manufacturing plant of skateboards in North America. And the thing about it was the thing that made him successful that I don't see in, in a lot of other entrepreneurs is he had the big vision. He knew that he could keep going up. It wasn't like when he, when it first started, he just needed a little bit more money. I just need this. Right. And as soon as I told him to think bigger, he went for it. And he was the kind of guy who was, he was willing to call anybody say whatever he needed to in order to make the deal close. And he, he made it happen. That that is a freaking inspiring story. Going from... they went bankrupt though. That's the thing. Oh shit. During the middle of the pandemic, you know, supply lines dried up and yeah. they had all these staff members and making the, the stuff, but they had no wood. And they had all these orders they had to fulfill and then it just didn't work out. Oh. They grew too fast. That that is the that is both the best and worst story, but also it's a great cautionary tale about growing too big. Mm -hmm. before you're ready because if you grow too big you have a world like barring the pandemic happening it probably would have evened itself out it would have leveled off and yep. cooled it I, I like to say that the whole time they were going up i was advising them and when they stopped calling me that's turned around. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair yeah. I love that. That is, that is genius. So the pandemic had nothing. They didn't call me. I could have helped them during That's the pandemic. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> um, all right. This has been a great conversation, uh, Brad. I'm having so much fun talking with you, learning about you. I'm definitely going to keep in touch with you because it's been fun. But we Absolutely. are coming to the the end of the interview. I have to. My last question. I want to ask the spark, uh, mm -hmm. the spark conversations from Yes Theory and Seek Discomfort. So, sir. Ooh, what is the hardest lesson you've learned this past year? Mm. Man, that's a tough one. 
I got a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> probably the hardest lesson I learned is you can't help someone who is not 100% invested in themselves. I had a client who wanted to start a business. She wanted to do it. She like had the desire to do it. This was her life dream to do it, but she didn't have the fire to do it. And so even though I was able to set everything up and I was able to get her to take the actions she needed to, to start getting the yeses for her business, like she'd pick up the phone and they'd say, yes, like that, I love it. Let's make it happen. She'd get the yes, but then she'd come to me and be like, man, I just don't know. I just like, she didn't have that, the fire to keep it burning. Yeah. And I invested a lot of time in this client and her business ended up going nowhere after two months just because she just, she didn't want to do it at the end of the day. So she started a business and didn't want to end up doing the business, yep. even though she had the easy wins. Like they yep. were just. Yep. Um, so she was getting business. lay downs. She was getting lay downs and it just, she didn't want it. Like she was getting the easy wins. Mm -hmm. So now uh, when I do my interviews, I am a little more discerning about like, do you actually care about your business? Are you in this for the long haul? Yeah. Like, are you 100% in? Like, if you made no money for 10 months, would you still want to be doing this? That's, that's the fire you need. Wow. That, that, I don't understand someone who is getting easy wins deciding, no, this is, uh, anyways, that's, that's that life. is it. That is life. Uh, but I'm going to jump off here. I'm going to let you have the front of the screen for the last little bit. Tell my audience where they can find you, how they can work with you if they're looking for some great advising from, uh, from you. Certainly. You can find me on Facebook. It's, uh, I think it's Dr. Bradford Carlton. It's, I think my page is at Coach Bradford Carlton. But um, you, you should be able to find me easy. I've got enough followers. Um, if you want to reach out to me, please feel free. I'm more than happy on a call, no charge, just to chat for 15 minutes, half hour. Just reach out to me at Bradford at mayfloweradvising.com. That's with an S in advising. So people spell that incorrectly with a C. Um, otherwise, keep believing. You know, as, as the journey song goes, you know, just don't stop believing because that is really the key. Every single day, I believe I'm going to succeed because I'm willing to do it. Not because... I put in all this hard work. Some days I don't work all that hard and I get great wins. Like, I don't think I've ever worked all that hard, even though I put in 12 hours, 16 hour days sometime. It's if you love what you do, if you're here to win, like it's just another day. I, I couldn't, I don't even know what day of the week it is today. Like, so um, it doesn't matter. Every day is a new day and it's all a gift. It's all a prize. So believe in yourself. I believe in you. Like, every person I've ever met, I believe in it's, you have it, you have the capability it's in you go for it. Great words to end the episode on, uh, Brad, thank you again for being an amazing guest. I can't, oh, I'm so happy that I've connected with you and, uh, I get to t talk with you and learned so much about you today. Absolutely. Phil, anytime. Uh, to my audience, of course, you know, in the show notes down below, you'll have the links to uh, connect with Dr. Bradford Carlton. Um, I can't thank you enough for being on the show once again, Brad. And to my audience, remember to always invest in yourself.